My name is Kristen Potter. I get to serve here at Central as the Kids and Family Ministries Director on our team. And I am so excited to be sharing with you today our last online experience of 2020. You guys, here we are. We did it. The final week of 2020. Can you believe that we actually made it? Anybody else feel like this was three years all wrapped up into one? I mean, 2020 was supposed to be awesome. Cinco de Mayo actually fell on a Taco Tuesday. If that doesn't scream promise, y'all, I don't know what does. And yet, here we are. 2020 was the year that no one saw coming, the year no one was prepared for. It was the year of Zooming in our PJs, you know, kind of like that pandemic mullet, business on top, ready for bed on the bottom. Check this lady out right here. She knows what's up. She knows what's going on. She is ready to work on top, ready for bed on the bottom right? Everyone's guilty of this. Don't pretend like you didn't do this every single Zoom meeting at home. It was the year of learning how to properly wear a mask. I mean, who knew that we could do this wrong, right? Clearly, this guy is working the system. That's not how you do it. Someone tell him. Someone tell him that's not how you do it. But it was also the year that everyone had a sourdough starter in our fridge, the year that Tiger King and TikTok distracted us from the monotony of our days inside, I mean, it is definitely time that I wish I could get back. <laughs> but, however, I think it did solidify my status as a cool aunt. I taught my nieces and nephew a little TikTok dance. Check it out. I mean, who didn't make a TikTok? Were you really living in 2020 if you didn't make a TikTok? Um, you guys, we had to get creative with our time because we had nothing else going on. I've been married to this guy named Josh for about four and a half years, and he's great. Everyone should meet him. He leads the basketball program at Branham High School just down the street, as well as coaching for a local AAU program in the spring and in the summer. So normally during the year, from about October to June, I like to consider myself a coach's widow. I really only have him home one or two nights a week, and he's gone most weekends during that time. So when the pandemic hit, of course, much like everything else, basketball shut down, and Josh and I had 24 hours a day, seven days a week of uninterrupted time together. And I'm pretty sure all y'all couples would agree with me. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. There were definitely some moments that required something that I like to call spousal distancing. Like, here's how that goes. Okay, so you go over there into that room and watch that TV and exist in there for a while, away from me, and I'll be in here watching my show in this room, away from you. But in all honesty, he really is a saint of a guy to put up with me and all my little quirks. I have this incessant need to buy and light all the candles all the time. I mean, come on, ladies, you feel me on this. Where are my Bath and Body Work candle fans at, right? I'm such a sucker. Every time I get one of those emails, I'm like adding all eight to the cart. I can't stop, right? So my entire house throughout the pandemic was always lit with candles. Josh would come home and be like, are you having a seance in here? What is going on? Our house would smell like the Yankee candle store, which could be really great and really horrible. But you know, what's funny, when 2020 started, before the shutdown, I challenged myself with not buying any candles at all for the entire year. Instead, I was thinking I would make them. It would be way cheaper, right, and cute little mason jar candles. And what you need to know about my husband 
if this guy gets an idea or a project in his head, there's no stopping him. So two weeks into the shutdown, Josh and I made 80 mason jar candles. 80. Check this out right here. That's in my kitchen, you guys. I'm telling you, it is go big or go home in the Potter household. And I'm going to be real with you guys. They're almost gone. (laughs) I mean, think about it. I was home all the time. So every candle was always lit all the time in my house. And I gave them away like candy. I was like the Oprah of mason jar candles. I was like, you get a candle and you get a candle. Everybody gets a candle. (laughs) You see, 2020 forced us to get creative with how we spent our free time. What did you guys do? Did you bake? Did you read? Did you whip out that puzzle from 1983? (laughs) Maybe blow some dust off of it? If you're watching live right now, comment in the chat. Tell us how you got creative with your time. You see, we had to get creative because we wanted a little escape from the crazy that was swirling around us. We wanted to forget what was happening in our world, even just for a little while, because let's be real, it was a lot to deal with. Every week, it seemed like we were hit with another blow to our routine, to our mental health, to our feeling of security. And I'm sure a lot of you are a lot like me, and you are so ready to say goodbye to this crazy year and ready to start a new chapter. Well, today, we are looking at a passage that tells us to do just that, to forget what once was and to get ready for what's to come. It might be a familiar verse to you. Maybe it's your first time hearing it. I have always found encouragement in these verses. Let's look at Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 together. It says, But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You see, the prophet Isaiah was writing to God's people while they were being held captive in Babylon. The book of Isaiah is also filled with, it includes several prophecies about the coming Messiah, their and our deliverer, Jesus Christ. Here we see God speaking through Isaiah to try and encourage his people who desperately needed hope to look up, to pay attention, to get excited because something life-changing is coming. I'm reminded of our series from a few months ago on Revelation and how Pastor Tim reminded us to stand up, to look up, for our salvation is near. You guys, this isn't a new exercise. God has been telling his people over and over and over again that he is in the business of doing new things, of doing great things. All we have to do is watch. And isn't it just like us to need constant reminders that he's at work? I mean, life is hard. Even without the hurricane of a pandemic, we deal with hard stuff all the time. Financial stress, toxic relationships, social and political unrest. And again, this isn't just a present-day issue. God's people have been dealing with these types of struggles since the beginning of time. You think we'd learn, right? Our hope is that our faith would grow a little bit stronger through every single trial, but more than likely, we need a little reminder here and there that God is in control. In his patient and powerful way, God proves over and over again that he keeps his promises to redeem us, to prepare a way for us, and to do new things in us. So as we spend the next few minutes diving into this text, I encourage you to see these verses as an invitation to allow God to prepare you for new things in 2020. Let's look at the first couple words of verse 18. 
Check it out. It says, but forget all that. That's the New Living Translation. The NIV translation says, forget the former things. <laughs> I'm sure the Israelites heard Isaiah's words, and they must have seemed like a little bit of a joke. I'm sure they wanted to get all snarky and spicy with Isaiah and be like, uh, bro, I don't know if you know this, but we've had a rough couple of years around here. Notice, we're being held captive, like against our will. The Israelites weren't about to forget this experience anytime soon. And even for us, in 2020, this is a year that we won't soon forget either. It's not like the clock will strike midnight on December 31st and all will return to as it was before COVID. The masks will all disappear. The person you want to be president will be in the White House. I can go back to my favorite restaurant in downtown Livermore and watch the Warriors play basketball complete with Clay Thompson never having torn his ACL and all will be right in the world. No, much like the Israelites, we have a tendency to remember that hard stuff, to dwell on all of that and complain about what didn't go right in our life. But forget all that. I see this as an invitation to move past your past. God wants to realign our hearts, just like he did to the people of Israel through Isaiah's words. If God's people had stayed focused on their captivity, they would have never experienced the joy of their release. And even today, there's things in our past that hold us captive. We tend to let those things define us by what's gone wrong in our lives, a marriage that maybe failed, an addiction that stalled part of your life, maybe not being able to advance in your career the way you had hoped. And don't get me wrong, those things are all really hard to experience. But God wants us to learn from the past, not live in it. In the same way, kind of on the flip side of that coin, it really is easy for us to constantly replay that highlight reel of the things that went really well in our life and to live in the glow of the good times of the past. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's fun to reminisce about the good old days and all that fun stuff, but no one wants to be that guy who's always retelling the story of the night that he threw that winning touchdown at the championship game in 1985. I mean, I'm sure it was great, but come on, no one cares. It's so easy to think back to that time in your life when everything was easy. The times when instead of piles of laundry and hungry mouths to feed, the only things waiting for you at home were fun roommates and the newest episode of How I Met Your Mother and Takeout. Come on, shout out to my girls, Jen and Julie, best roommates ever. <laughs> or maybe in the spiritually dry season that you might be experiencing right now in 2020, you are finding yourself looking back on all those spiritual mountaintop highs. You know, when you felt closest to God, when church looked exactly how you want it to look, when the worship band would play your favorite worship songs. And those are all such sweet, sweet times in our lives. But again, we're not called to live in the past. I love this C.S. Lewis quote. He says, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. God is calling us up and he's calling us out into this new year and into new territory, and we can learn from all of the past highs and the past lows in our life, in business, in ministry, in parenthood, or in our marriage, but we don't have to set up camp there. With eyes fixed behind us on what has been, we can't see our way forward. So let's forget all of that, and let's move past our past.
In the next verse, God says to the Israelites, it is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I am about to do something new. In most cases, we love new things, don't we? I mean, who doesn't love that new car smell or a wall with a new fresh coat of paint on it? I love the UPS guy because he brings new packages to my front door all the time, right? Add to cart has become second nature to all of us. Isn't that right? I love the start of a new series or a new season of Giants baseball. And my husband would say that he loves a fresh new fade and a new pair of Jordans. But maybe the idea of new isn't your jam. Maybe the idea of trying new food doesn't really intrigue you. Or taking on a new hobby sounds just downright exhausting to you. Or maybe even the possibility of moving to a new location, a new house, or a new state. Maybe that terrifies you. Either way, in this verse, God is inviting us to get excited. We're supposed to get excited about what's to come because the possibility of new is something to get excited about. The Israelites saw all the amazing things that God did through Abraham and through Moses in the past, but as they were held in captivity, they weren't anticipating God doing anything new. And God says through Isaiah, you ain't seen nothing yet. You just wait. The best is yet to come. Whether you're a fan of new or not, we are in a season of new things. Millions of people each year make resolutions for their new year, to try new things, to start new habits, to lose that weight, to stay organized. Oh my goodness, to stay organized. Does, any, does anybody here follow the Home Edit on Instagram? Or maybe you've seen their show on Netflix? Okay, it is amazing. It's these two women right here who you can hire to come into your home and make it functional and beautiful and organized and color-coded. And you guys, isn't that the dream? Oh, look at this pantry. It's perfect. But let's be real. It's new and beautiful for like three days. And then what? Nothing ever stays like that. I don't even have kids at my house. And my pantry never looks like this. No matter how many tubs I buy at the container store or colorful labels that I slap on them, it just feels impossible. Have you ever been to the container store? It is downright dreamy. Don't we just leave that place with such a sense of hope and such a sense of promise. Like these new clear tubs and these new baskets are going to revolutionize your life. But no, you guys, my clothes still end up all over the floor. The blankets that are supposed to be so placed nicely in these beautiful bright baskets that I bought just for them, they end up wadded up in a little ball on top, and the cans of food still get stacked in no orderly fashion in my pantry. But we start with such excitement, don't we? Well, what God has on the horizon for you is definitely something to get excited about. This is God's business. This is what he does. We see this idea all throughout scripture. Take a look at Genesis 1.31. It says that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. He makes new things and they're good. He says it himself. Lamentations 3.23 says his mercies are new every morning. Revelations 21.5 says, behold, I make all things new. God is in the business of doing new things, and he wants to do something new in you right now, this year. He's in. Are you? Our world needs God's people to get excited about new things and to stick with them. He has plans to use each one of us to bring hope to our community, to your circles of influence. Not just the people that you see standing on this stage teaching, or the people that you see waving high in all of our awesome video segments. 
It's you. And that's something to get excited about. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. This is the heart of the gospel, people. Our past failures, brokenness, and pain no longer define us. They don't condemn us, and they don't rule over us. We're called to forget all of that. We are a completely new creation, and we have a new spirit living in us. So it's time to get excited, and it's time to go to work. So now that we're getting excited, let's look at the last few words of verse 18. It says, See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Here we see God inviting us to pay attention to what's in motion. Look around you. Pay attention. It's so easy to walk around with blinders on, especially in 2020. I mean, we're literally wearing masks everywhere we go, blinding us to that face-to-face connection that we so desperately rely on for social cues. We are surrounded by people who are so desperate for us to lean in, to do something. God is on the move. We've seen him work in ways we never would have expected around here this year. Talking to people in their dreams, pointing them towards connection, meeting the needs of people in huge ways through your generous giving, through our fire relief fund earlier this year, and even through Give Hope right now. He is doing something here in San Jose, and you guys, he wants us to take notice. He wants us to pay attention. He wants us to jump in on what's already in motion. Where is God moving in your life? Lean in. Maybe you want to grow stronger in your faith and you don't really know where to start. Well, we have life groups that happen every single week at Central and you can be a part of them. Are you wanting to maybe be a little bit more active and healthy? Maybe God's calling you to start a walking group with some friends and you walk around the Central parking lot right here outside. Or maybe you're feeling compelled to do more for the homeless and the hungry in San Jose. Well, guess what? Partner with Central and City Team, and you can help at one of the mobile food pantries during the week. We have opportunities every single day to lean in to what God is laying on your heart. And we don't have to wait for this pandemic to be over. There's opportunities right now. You know, I've been so impressed with my small but mighty Too Cool Tuesday team on Tuesday afternoons, and Michael's, his youth leaders that show up on Tuesday nights, Every single week, they show up with smiles on their masked faces after working all day themselves, and they put on weekly events for 30-plus kids every single week because they see God on the move, and they've chosen to lean in, even when it's really hard, even when it's crazy hot outside, or even when it's really cold. But they know that these kids need to hear about the love God has for them and the need is so great. They need to see the capital C church showing up for them in a year when they were forced inside. God is on the move, and he's inviting all of us to pay attention and to jump in and do something. And finally, in verse 19, God says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. This verse is an invitation to join God in the hard places. God always seems to do his best work in the hardest of places. It's the most impossible of places or circumstances that God chooses to do the biggest, most impressive things. Look at the state of affairs in the community that Mary and Joseph were living in when Mary gave birth to Jesus. Not only did she deliver a baby after a long road trip on a donkey in a barn with zero comfort and zero hospitality, 
Jesus was born in the middle of a massive genocide where an insecure King Herod ordered the murder of baby boys under the age of two. God used that hard place to birth our Savior, to be the solution for our brokenness. Wherever you're watching from right now, maybe it's San Jose or the East Bay, maybe it's Virginia or maybe it's Texas, make no mistake, you're living in a hard place. The Pew Research Group came out with a study recently that said this, the fastest growing religious group in America is what they call the nuns. Not like nuns, like Sound of Music nuns, but the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S's. In other words, people that when asked what their religious affiliation is, they check the nun box. This group has grown faster than any other group in the American religious landscape over the last 10 years, and it's increasing every single day. So what does that mean? That means now more than ever, that in this period, in the time of America, people don't affiliate themselves with Christian gospel at all. We are growing more and more towards being a godless country, the hardest place to live. But God sees this and says, watch me do something great. Many of you might hear the statistic of the nuns and, and you think, oh my gosh, there's so, this is so discouraging. This is so disheartening. How can it ever get better? And he sees America and he says, I can make a pathway through that wilderness and I can make rivers in that dry wasteland. I want to tell you something today, church. That, that statistic shouldn't discourage us. It should empower us. It should light a fire under us. You know, it was this month, five years ago, that I got a phone call to start praying about joining the team at Central. And I'll be honest, it came out of nowhere. I was plenty happy in my cute little house in Livermore, teaching at a school in Pleasanton that I just adored. And I was on staff at a church that I helped launch with people I loved. And I was newly engaged, and I was just five minutes away from every single member of my beautiful family. Nothing in my little world was hard. And yet, when I was approached by the team at Central to come on board and interview, God started moving something in my heart. Just about immediately, I knew that this is where God wanted Josh and I to be long-term. And when I told the parents in my class that I would be leaving them mid-year, I was talking to one of the moms after class that day, and she said to me, I just moved my entire family away from the South Bay. Like, everyone is trying to get out of there. And here you are jumping in and trying to get in. I just don't get why you'd leave. I think about that conversation all the time because San Jose is a hard place. Growing up in the East Bay, we really only came to the South Bay to go to Great America and to shop at Valley Fair. I mean, my mama raised her, raised her girls right. <laughs> but as I got ready to move, I started seeing the hard place that San Jose was known for. I mean, the insane cost of living and the contrast of the socioeconomic climate. You have multi-million dollar households who want for nothing. And then just around the corner, you have 40 or 50 people living in just a few tents under the freeway overpass. Crime on the east side is frequently the top story on the 10 o'clock news. And I feel like I'm constantly driving by old, seemingly abandoned churches that have no congregation because... The nuns are on the rise. Like I said, I think back to that conversation with that mom all the time. And my answer to her back then, it remains the same today. There's work to be done. Josh and I have said this from the very beginning. God is doing something here in San Jose, 
and we want to be a part of it. And it's my prayer that God takes my ordinary efforts and does something extraordinary with them in his kingdom for big things. I know there's purpose in him taking me away from the comfort and the family and the community that I had in the East Bay. Maybe that's you too. Maybe you feel like you're living in a really hard place. I want to challenge you today that maybe God has chosen you to live in a hard place to be a part of the solution. What if he's called you to that hard place in order to do something through you to make San Jose known for God instead of all that other stuff? What if instead of being marked by the nuns, San Jose became a place of revival, a place where the hurting can find hope, where the lost can get found, and where the called can be equipped to do God's work? Because like I said, there is work to be done. We have this awesome team here at Central, and you guys, this team loves you and loves this community so much. And we are on our knees praying for this very thing every single day, that God will use our church in this hard place to do what he is famous for, great things. We're not supposed to do this work alone. We're here for you. Don't let your heart be the hard place that holds you back from being used by God to do great things. Reach out. Let us know how we can help you get started. Fill out a Connect card. Join a group. Start a new group. We firmly believe that we really are better together, and we want to help you on your journey to find and follow Jesus. Now, I know living in that hard place isn't easy. Standing by your spouse while they overcome an addiction, that's a really hard place. Struggling to keep a job, that's a really hard place. Your role at work, maybe it seems impossible to navigate right now. That's a hard place. Parenting in a pandemic, I'm sure that is a really hard place. But time and time again, God has proven that he's with us in the hard places where things might seem impossible. Noah building an ark in the middle of a drought while people laughed in his face. That's a hard place. A young boy named David defeating Goliath when no other soldier wanted to take on that battle. That's a hard place. Mary giving birth to a baby that would one day save the world in the middle of a massive genocide. That is a hard place. And when the things in our world seem completely impossible, God leans in and says, watch me work. And he invites us to join him. So Central, the time is now, right now, as we kick off 2021. It's the time for new things. Let's lock arms together and start this year off right Let's move past our past. Let's get excited. Let's pay attention. And let's join God in the hard places in our lives. And let's watch him do new and great things. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being with us in the hard places. Thank you for being with us in 2020. Lord God, we are so thankful that you have new and great things to do in us and through us in 2021, Lord. And I pray that as a church— we would lock arms together, and we would get ready for those new things to happen. Lord God, do what you are famous for. Lord God, we ask for your best in 2021, Lord. We love you, and we need you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.